to be a black man in America, um, because I know what it's like to be a mom and I, and it, and I don't even know what to do or how to handle these feelings, the emotions, the fear that my child will one day be a hashtag. Mocha Mamas is a candid conversation led by two moms of color about race, culture, justice, and social change. We believe that there is power and value when a variety of voices come together to engage in this very important conversation. So no matter what your experience or background may be, there's a place for you at Mocha Mamas. All we ask is that you come ready to learn and that you are always respectful of others. We hope you're ready because the conversation starts now. Welcome to Mocha Mamas. My name is Inez. I am your Mocha Mamas host. And Christy is not here with us today, but we have a really special guest sitting in for Christy, Julian Newman. Hey, what's up? What up? What up? I know that, you know, I mean, Christy is uh you know these are big big shoes to fill i know i'm not a mocha mama but i'm very thankful to be here as a mocha man <laughs> and we are very thankful to have you here today if you are not familiar with julian he did an episode with us as we did an episode on racism it- Take a listen if you haven't yet. Uh, Julian is a consultant and CEO of Culture Creative, which is a cultural intelligence consultancy. He is an expert in the area of um, racism, uh, inclusion, diversity, all of that. And so we're really happy to have you, Julian. Thank you for sitting in with me today. Very thankful to be here and uh, I'm excited for the conversation. Me too. So let's get to it. We are going to talk about uh, Ahmaud Arbery, which I am sure you are familiar with this story, but in case you are not, we will catch you up or maybe you're familiar with the story, but you don't know the name. So Julian, could you um, catch everyone up on the um, story of Ahmaud Arbery? So um, I think it was February 23rd. Um, in uh, Georgia, there was uh, an African-American man, 25 years old, running through a neighborhood. Um, He was running, and at some point he went to uh, a house that was being constructed. There was no, um, no, uh, you know, no trespassing signs. There was no... um, uh, you know, you can't be here, whatever. He just went there. Um, and there were two men that, or actually three men, I should say, three men right. that uh, apprehended him. And in their uh, apprehension, so to speak, um, there was an altercation. In that altercation, um, there were three shots. And uh, Ahmad was killed, and he uh, he died in the street. And so, you know, we, this is something that has been on the radar, but it went from local to global as re- release of the the um, the first video of him right. um, him being shot. 
And so at this particular point, two, the two men, um, uh, Michaels was a, a, a father and a son, um, are now uh, in custody. And uh, the third person who actually did the video um, isn't, but uh, he is being questioned as far as I know. So, um, you know, it, 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 it took, I think, the world by storm and I, I, um, it became a global story. You know, there are people in other countries that are friends of mine on, on social media that were asking me about it. And I, and I think it really, I don't know if galvanized, but it became catalytic. Um, so many people were, you know, posting, tweeting about it, um, sharing information. So many people, um, you know, were running, you know, 2.33 miles um, and posting videos right. about it. One of the interesting things about the conversation um, when it comes to this particular instance, this case, is that there are people that have not typically been in the uh, the social justice um, wokeness lane, if I could, you know, use that phraseology, that have really is really captured on the nation in some respects. Mm -hmm. um, so whether it's people, you know, that are uh, having discussions and conversations about it um, and really taking a hard look at themselves in a way that they haven't when we've had other national situations that have gone on when unarmed black uh, men have uh, lost their lives. Uh, and it's just interesting in that uniqueness um, in relation to um, this particular story. It is. And that's something that I, I want to talk about. Um, so let's just go right there. Why, why do you think it is that this, that, um, that it's, that that's the case in this particular story? Like what makes this stand out? Because like you said, there's been other, many others. I know I see stories like this every single day, um, coming, coming into my feed and stuff. So what makes this stand out from those other cases? Um, for people? Is it because there was no arrest for two months or because of because we saw the video? Um, but again, there's been video for other for other cases as well. So what do you think is the differentiation? Like, what is, what's the difference in this? That's a great question. I, I've actually been thinking about the last couple of days myself. Um, I think that the fact that he was, um, you know, there's a lot of joggers. And so um, at this particular point, you know, with the information that we have, um, you have a, a, a kid uh, or a kid, you have a young man who's jogging down the road, who stops mm -hmm. and looks in a house. I think that the fact that um, the pictures that we have of him, um, he is wearing a polo hat. He is... Uh, in a tuxedo. Right. Um, he um, is uh, smiling. Um, he seems like uh, the, the guy next door. And so there's something about that. Um, I think the, the fact that police were not involved, that this was a quote unquote citizen's arrest, and we see men with guns or, or rifles um, on video, we see. And the young man who we later on see in a bow tie and smiling with a polo hat crumpled to the ground. 
um, you know, uh, having died in the street, it, it harkens back to um, historical lynchings and uh, black men being hunted uh, in a way that some of these others don't. There's a such a visceral reaction when you watch the video. And uh, and I waited for a few days to actually watch it. Um, I heard about it, but I didn't see it on purpose because I think there is an element of uh, post-traumatic, you know, uh, PTSD um, when you continue to look at um, these these killings. And so uh, I, I think that the combination of all of those things, you named it, you know, two months um, where there was no arrest. These guys are at home dudes with guns it feels very um uh, it just it just feels bad looks bad it is bad uh and i think because of all the factors it's more difficult for people to find the loophole of trying to well the reason why this happened is because well you know why this is really okay because of this this one it's very difficult to be able to easily dismiss it because of, oh, he didn't have, you know, a registration, his license plate wasn't there, um, the, a headlight was out, um, he didn't comply. I mean, all those things, none of those relate or are relevant here. And it just, uh, it just grips you in a way that, um, well, I guess I would say all of them have gripped me and, and you and mm -hmm. people that are in this lane but for some reason, this has jumped the fence into a whole nother arena where other people have been able to mm -hmm. connect. So uh, on the, uh, the 90s show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, um, starring Will Smith, um, uh, he, you know, he plays this uh, Philadelphian teenager that goes to live with the upper middle class um, uh, family, uh, relatives, I should say. And so they have, you know, three kids. Um, and I think we were saying off air that uh, they had a fourth. Nikki came on the scene. And by that time, the show was kind of whack. But they had <laughs> you know, uh, Carlton, Hillary, and Ashley. And so the interesting thing about Carlton is what he was this, um, uh, you know, young black male. But he was almost a black version of Alice Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties yes. years before. Oh, okay? that is a great, so, that's a great comparison. Yeah. So he's, but what, what you find as the show goes on is even though he on the outside is this preppy, proper, um, listening to, you know, uh, what's the song? It's not unusual to be. <laughs> okay, I don't yes. remember who does that song, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. But you find that it really expands the perspective of stereotypical blackness. And so that he talks about him being black, though he doesn't have the hip hop persona or style that his, his cousin uh, Will does. And I think in many cases, Carlton lost his life. Carlton was killed. And there's an aspect of Ahmad that has captured the, uh, the hearts of some people because he seems more Carlton than the stereotypical, um, you know, black, young, young mm -hmm. black male, 
um, wearing, you know, uh, hat to the back, Jordan's, you know, hoodie, um, getting, you know, uh, you know, sagging a little bit, all of that. So he he's in a different lane. He's a different he, he's maybe maybe in the eyes of some he's not like them. And so as a result of that, maybe we see him a different way and we value his life in it from a different lens. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really accurate and that's a great comparison. Um, the Carlton, I think that's, I think that's really true. And, um, that is a big reason why people initially, so, and I, we're going to talk about that too. Initially there was a huge public outrage, but then what was it? Five days later, another video came out with a mod, which is you, you talked about this when you explained the scenario um, that he went into that house. So then now we're seeing people, um, yeah, I, I, there's still support, but I've noticed this, you know, I, I was, uh, yesterday I was going through social media and I realized like, um, there's a lot of people who were really loud and, and maybe it would have died out anyway. I mean, I'm sure there, it would have, um, to, to, to a certain extent, but I just have to wonder like, okay, there's people that are outright, um, now pointing out these controversial issues with the case, which uh, we'll bring up. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about those. And then there's people that are just like, now they're silent about it. Um, and I, I have to wonder if some of that is because of the video. Maybe they don't want to vocally come out and say, oh, never mind. Or, well, you know, he put himself in that situation or he, he had a criminal history or whatever, whatever it is, but now they're just silent about it. But we are seeing people that are outright um, saying that, you know, pointing out problems now because of that video that has surfaced. Here, here's, here's what I would say. And, and I've seen a lot of that stuff too. And so we have to sit there and realize that racism is uh, is flexible. It's a chameleon. It it not only changes shape, um, it positions itself differently, and so it's hard to track. So there was a, a conversation that we we talked about um, off air that was online, and the question is how um, you know how is a racist act tracked or proven? Right. So that question is you sit there and put it out there, it's kind of hard because we have to um, get into maybe the minds or hearts of different people. And, you know, so there's all this gray area when we have these conversations and there's a loophole that many of us try to find when we are trying to determine uh, when we let me back up there's a loophole that we try to find because we don't want to face the ugliness of the situation. So, okay. Ahmad is jogging. He sees a home that's being built. There's no sign. There's no, uh, you know, you can't be on the property. There's none of that stuff that's there. Many people. Um, and I, I can say that I've done this, um, in my life, looked at a house being built like, oh, snap, that's cool. That looks great. Mm -hmm. I would love to have a kitchen like that. 
You know, that's something that I, I would say that I've done in my life. Okay. I, here I is a confessional at the Boca Mamas. Um, <laughs> and so he did that. He didn't take anything. Um, he, he left the premises. And so I'm a jogger. There have been times where something has caught my attention. I stopped and checked it out and went on my way. Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves at the root of it all, if the situation was, was flipped and three black men saw a person or were called about someone that was a white 25-year-old that was running through a neighborhood, boxed him in, and shot him in the street, three shots, rifles, would we be trying to find the loophole? Would we be trying to say, well, you know, he brought it upon himself? Right. What we find in these issues where unarmed black men are killed, there's this uh, rush to try to find a reason why this occurred. So when we talk about um, uh, Botham Jean, who was a young black male in his own apartment, uh, a mm -hmm. police officer comes in and shoots him while he's watching uh, Thursday night football, I believe, and eating ice cream. Well, he had marijuana in the house. Um, he didn't comply to the officer, though he didn't know it was an officer, and she was coming in his house um, unsolicited, no warrant, et cetera, et cetera. We found that we almost have to prove the innocence of the person that has been has lost their life. And we can see this um, finding the loophole type situation to try to discredit the story or discredit Ahmad and to try to bring credence um, to this man that um, you know committed this uh, this horrible act. And so there are some that are doing that. Um, I, I think that the whole pathway of trying to address issues of racism and equity, um, diversity, and inclusion, when it comes to our society as a whole, it takes courage. You know, mm -hmm. it, it takes courage and we cannot sugarcoat that, you know, as we sit there and look at the historical reality in terms of of um, of racism. Like, for example, Dr. King, you know, it's every year we love to talk about the I have a dream speech and we love to to talk about how amazing Dr. King, you know, was and how influential and inspirational he was. But we we neglect to talk about the fact that he lost his life at 39 years old. You know, he's younger right. than me when he died. Um, we, we neglect to, to look at the fact that he really challenged the system or systemic racism, um, institutional um, truths when it comes to what was happening to non-white people in America. Um, we use them as a civil rights Santa Claus and we put his quotes everywhere and we don't really recognize the man and who he was and what he stood for and how he challenged the status quo and that people in the government were trying to kill this man. And so um, we have to acknowledge not just the beauty of some of these moments, but the pain that produced them, as well as the yes. ugly that helps create the atmosphere where unarmed black people, um, particularly unarmed black men, um, lose their lives. And we keep playing this story, another hashtag, another movement, 
another social media sharing, uh, another family crying, another mom um, on the mic, another grandmother, another dad. How many times are we going to see that? How many times are we going to experience that? And we recognize we need to stop playing this movie. There's a, there's a book that um, I'm reading, uh, I think, by the name of a guy named it's Dan Heath, um, and it's called Upstream. And it talks about um, problems being solved upstream instead of downstream. So downstream, the problem is already flooding. The upstream is we get it and we prevent the problem from happening. And so what, what we're doing is we definitely deal with the downstream. We deal with the, the shooting has already happened. The murder has already mm -hmm. occurred. The incarceration has already happened. The, the protest. Well, if we deal with something upstream, there's nothing to protest. If we deal with it upstream, there's no hashtag that is necessary. And so um, as right. a black man in America, not as young as I used to be, but the reality is there isn't a black man in America that, that could, did not see that video and say that could be me. And so um, Sterling K. Brown, you know, the star of This Is Us, and he was in Black Panther, yes. and he's in extraordinary movies. Uh, he talked about wearing the mask in a very mm -hmm. heartfelt, heartbreaking um, uh, social media posting. He was just talking about, dude, I'm, I'm hurting over this. And when I saw it, it put tears in my eyes, just like mm -hmm. it did, you know, it did him. Because I think that there's something... Um, there's something wrong. There's something wrong when, um, when as black people, black men, you feel and you know that your, um, you know that your skin has been weaponized, and in the minds of some, you're more dangerous unarmed being black than a white person with arms, um, you know, is. What was funny is some of the criticisms are, well, they were the reason why they shot is because they feared for their life. How many times can we see people with guns that are armed fearing for their life for people that don't have that aren't armed? And so exactly. it's like, yo, <laughs> I, I'm, you're the one armed and yet you're afraid of me. And I'm just here, you know, with my iPhone or with my, you know, uh, some, you know, Skittles or, you know, I was going to say mm -hmm. Scooby snacks, you know, um, <laughs> Scooby snacks, <laughs> Scooby snacks. I'm throwbacks today. <laughs> um, so anyway, it's just, it's hurtful. It's frustrating. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. And um, obviously I am not a black man, um, but the, we do primary our audience primarily is women here and so I, as moms you know we we understand um how the, just the level of protection that we have over our kids I mean dads as well um obviously you're a dad I know you understand that too but uh speaking to moms um I, I can I can say from the perspective of a mom of a black son mm -hmm that um i watched that video the um Ster i'm i can i get emotional just thinking about it like the sterling k brown video and i was like i mean i, I just couldn't stop the tears from coming down my face because 
I watch that and I see like that's my son. That's my son. That's my son's. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird to say that. I look at Sterling K. Brown and that's my son. But that's how I look at it as a mom. Yeah. Like that is my son's future. And I can't even put into words like how um, heartbreaking that is, how much fear um, there is around that and worry. And again, I, I don't understand um, how it feels to be you or to be Sterling K. Brown or any other black man, but I know what it's like to be a mom of a future black man. And it's, um, it's hard. It's just like, I mean, I don't even, I, I was telling my mom the other day, I think, um, I think I need to bring this up to my therapist, like, because it's something that I don't even, I don't know how to handle it. And so I can't even imagine what it's like to be you, to be a black man in America, um, because I know what it's like to be a mom and I, and it, and I don't even know what to do or how to handle these feelings, the emotions, the fear that my child will one day be a hashtag. And the reason why I bring this up is because this podcast is one of the main things we want to accomplish here is giving people a perspective that maybe they don't have. And maybe you're listening and you don't know what it's like to be a black man in America. And you don't know what it's like to be the mom of a black son in America, but you're listening to two people that do. And this is our perspective these are our feelings, our story. And one thing that I see all the time is that people want to challenge that. And you, you don't have the right to do that. Like, I can't sit here and say, oh, Julian, you're wrong for fearing for your life because he's not wrong. That's, that's his reality. And just because it's not my reality doesn't make it untrue. And I think that uh, that's something that we see all the time. I wasn't going to go here, but since it's kind of leading this way, Julian, can you talk to us a little bit? Um, I was having a conversation with someone the other day who had seen the comment thread on a post that I shared on my Facebook. It was actually your article. And I want to talk to about your article. We will get to it. Your piece that you did on um, Ahmad Arbery. But um, I got a lot of comments on that um, interesting comments on that thread and so someone private messaged me and she was saying that you know um she was really respectful and and just like approached it in such a nice way like hey I just have a question and kind of wanted to know if I was willing to have this conversation with her and of course I was and so she um she brought up the point that it just feels like we can't even discuss these things. Like we can't, if I have questions about this or that, like I can't even discuss it. And it, and it became not so much about the piece that you wrote or Ahmad Arbery's case, but it was more about just this inability that we have nowadays to, um, to see other sides and other points. And I actually shared a little bit, something that I learned from you about that third space and um, would you be able to just talk about that real quick? Yeah. Bit? Because I think it's important, again, because we listen to things and because it's not your reality, we, you know, somebody can listen to what you're saying and that's not their reality. So they automatically reject your reality. Absolutely. And so I think we live in a world, you know, we live in a world where people, um, it's us and them. You know, mm -hmm. we're in a very tribalistic moment and human beings can be very tribal anyway, but there has been a hardening over the last maybe, you know, five to 10 years. 
I think social media has a lot to do with that. Um, I, I think that, um, yes. uh, you know, I, I think that people that we have in position of leadership um, um, have something to do with that. I, I think that when we're in the us and them tribalistic type environment, then we're just trying to win. It's a zero sum game. I win, you lose, you win, I lose. Mm -hmm. And we cannot mm -hmm. transform our society by doing from, from those positions. What I maintain is that the, the third place, the third place where we recognize the perspectives and the truths of another person with a different experience than us. And we, we add their, the things of value, the things that we value. And instead of using our collective energy against each other to, to deal with a problem, we use our right. collective energy together to solve the problem. So if you think about it from a tug of war type situation, you have one person on the right, you have another person on the left and you have a problem in the middle. So person on the, the left is looking at the person on the right through the lens of the problem. The person on the right um, is looking through the person on the left through the lens of the problem. So if we put A on this side, B on that side, and let's say the problem is X, okay? So A and B are looking at each other through the, through the lens through X, the problem, and it distorts the way that I see the other person. And as long as we keep doing that, the problem doesn't move and we're just angry. We're just frustrated mm -hmm. that there's no movement. But what if we went to the third place? The third place is, is A and B, not at each other, looking at each other through the lens of X, but A and B collectively using their power to solve the problem of X. So now you have double the power and now we're focusing on the problem instead of at each other. The third place is trying to heal. The third place is trying to restore. The third place is listening and learning and walking humility that says, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the remedies. I don't maybe even know all the questions, but can we walk together? And in our walking together, then we can bring about something beautiful. It, it's more hopeful. It's more mm -hmm. inspirational. It's more um, energizing and empowering to say, wait a minute, instead of A versus B through the lens right. of X, how would we move A and B against X? So now you're not my enemy, you're my friend. And we are dealing with the problem and we're not humanizing it by looking at another human being through the lens of it. That's the third place. I love that. And I think it... Um thinking of that in the in context of this situation and the conversations that I've had, I think it's, it's really important to remember that because, um, because people want to say, you know, like, well, I've experienced racism from other people of color, or I've experienced, you know, um, prejudice or whatever, you know, and if you haven't listened again, I'm going to plug that episode where we talked Julian and um shared with us about really educated us about racism um because it talks about reverse racism and all that and so anyway but like people will bring those things up 
in situations like this. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But under uh, to me, the third place comes into play here because it's like, well, I'm not saying that that's not true, that you haven't experienced race racism from another race that a race other of your other or i'll say prejudice excuse me um like that i'm not saying that that's not true that you haven't experienced prejudice from other people of color but just because i want to talk about racism in this case like i'm also i'm not negating that truth of yours but like they're both true they both exist and they're both important conversations um but maybe that that's not a conversation for today is what i want you know um like i'm not saying that's not true that that didn't happen to you and i'm sorry that that happened to you um and yeah we should talk about it someone just texted me the other day bringing this up well how can we never talk about um the again they use the term racism and i don't I don't believe that it's racism prejudice from people of color towards other groups of color. And I, and I just said, yes, that is an important conversation that we need to have, but we can't use that to overlook this situation or minimize this situation, or as you say in your piece, invalidate this situation. And so that's why I love that third place where we can come to a place of understanding that just because I'm passionate about this and I'm sharing about a mom as being a mom of a son of a future black man does not mean that I'm invalidating your experience in life, whatever. Like we both bring those together and work this out together. I really love that, Julian. We're going to pause and um, end this conversation and we're going to roll over if it's okay with you, Julian, to the second we'll do the second part of this in another episode um so yeah thank you let's do it well thank you so much for joining us for another episode of mocha mamas we really want to know what you have to say about this subject so we invite you to join us and further the conversation in our mocha mamas facebook group You can also reach out to us on social media. We are Mocha Mamas Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And if you loved today's episode, we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It helps us to get word out about the Mocha Mamas Podcast. Thank you again for listening. And we look forward to our next conversation with you.